0: You know, God reveals to the world what's going to happen. He reveals it through a dream Pharaoh had. Problem is, Pharaoh doesn't know what it means. Only one person knows. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Rod Hemberg. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. 32 years we've been doing this, going through the Bible. This is exciting. And I want to tell you, Cory Reiner here. Corey, what's going on?
1: Well, today I'm going to be taking a look at Joseph, one of the most famous figures of the Bible and certainly of Genesis, Ryan.
2: Yeah, and today, evangelist and pastor Corey McKenna is here to give us some advice on how to engage our culture for Jesus Christ. And I look forward to that
0: interview. That's a really good one. I remember it. Um, Anyway, what are you doing?
3: It's our fun Friday wrap up. I get to ask a question anywhere from Genesis chapter 23 through 43. Hope you've read the assigned reading for this week.
0: Yes. In fact, it'll be an open Bible test for you, but not for us here.
3: Genesis 41, verses 14 through 32. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. And he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream, I stood on the bank of the river. Suddenly, seven cows came up out of the river, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt, such ugliness as I have never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the gaunt and ugly cows ate up the first seven, the fat cows. When they had eaten them up, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were just as ugly as at the beginning. So I awoke. Also I saw in my dream, and suddenly seven heads came up on one stalk full and good. Then behold, seven heads withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind sprang up after them. And the thin heads devoured the seven good heads. So I told this to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will deplete the land." so the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. Genesis chapter 41, verses 14 through 32.
0: Genesis 41 to 43. Again, we have amazing stories that come to us from the Old Testament. They are really, really good. Now, we've studied all the previous verses in the last couple of years, and now we're studying more of these verses from 13 to 32. The Lord knows the future, and he planned the past, and he understands how they fit together, the past and the future. The Lord is orchestrating everything as he has from the beginning. Hard for us to understand, but it's true. You see, there was a great famine coming on the earth, and God shows Pharaoh in Egypt in a dream what will happen. However, Pharaoh did not understand. Perhaps he was so self-absorbed that he couldn't understand. This is a common problem for us today, to be self-absorbed. We only see things from our perspective. One thing is certain, though, God was orchestrating a way for Joseph so that he could make a way for Israel. Now, the Spirit of God was with Joseph, even while he was falsely accused and thrown into prison. Now, through a complex series of events, it would be Joseph's ability to hear from God that would secure his release and everyone's survival. God would answer the great Pharaoh through the faith of a foreign prisoner. I mean, God is, first of all, God is great, but I mean, this is absolutely stunning because God has an amazing sense of humor in many ways. Now, it, it, it looks like, you know, because Joseph has gone through this, sold into slavery by his brothers and all that, we've read about that, but it looks like Joseph is just a loser And he can't catch a break anywhere. But this story is interesting. Because Pharaoh recognizes one of the people, Baker, of course, and the cupbearer. And the cupbearer says, you know, there's this guy that was in prison with me. And I remember him telling me a dream. He knows the dreams. Isn't that fascinating? God knew all of this. So as we turn our Bible guide to the most important book of the world, the Holy Bible, uh, get your Bible guide and turn to it. If you don't have one, write for one or call, or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, click on the Bible guide. It'll take you to the donate page, and then you can download whatever you want. It's uh, in the printed form. I think you'll like it. You're seconds away. God shows us the world. Father, I pray today that as we look at this story, we would see what you've done. This is amazing. Nobody saw this. You know, and it's also interesting, Lord, that Joseph had dreams, but he didn't know the dreams would be like this. So, Father, you communicate such high value, such sophistication to us. And it's amazing, Lord, how you do that. Help us to learn the mind of Christ. Help us to understand what you're saying here today. And in the name of Jesus, we're going to read from the Bible, not read into it. We're going to read out of it. So help us today in Jesus' name. And we said together, Amen. Genesis 41, verse 14, now look look at this. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. That's where he was. I mean, Pharaoh's calling from the dungeon, a guy from the dungeon. Can you believe that? Well, he shaved and changed his clothing and came to Pharaoh. (laughs) And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. What an amazing statement, Pharaoh. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, Listen to this now, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh the answer a piece. What? You see, Joseph recognizes in his state that it is God who has the answers to everything that we need to know. God is the one who has the answers. The Lord Jesus has given us the answer to our sins. We must submit to him. The answer to our sins is not standing around telling us how, telling ourselves how great we are in front of the mirror. The answers to our sin are coming to Jesus Christ privately, bowing down before him, wherever we're at, and saying, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I've sinned my whole life. Forgive me. And then things change. As we listen to the Lord, we hear what he says as he speaks. Our lives change. Joseph knew that. Let's go on. Chapter 17, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream I stood on the bank of the river, and suddenly seven cows came up out of the river, fine-looking and fat And they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt, such ugliness as I have never seen in the land of Egypt. And the gaunt and ugly cows ate up the first seven, the fat cows. And when they had eaten them up, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were just as ugly as at the beginning. So I awoke. Also I saw in my dream, and suddenly seven heads came up on one stalk, full and grown. And then behold, seven heads withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind sprang up after them. And the thin heads devoured the seven good heads. So I told this to the magicians. I, I, I did. I. But there was no one who could explain it to me. Now that's fascinating, beloved, because... Through Joseph, God will reveal the explanation of Pharaoh's dream. How would you reveal that? You see, true prophets are chosen by God and never speak against his word. Just leave that up a minute. True prophets, of which there are very few today. True prophets are chosen by God. Not anybody else, not popularity and not anybody else. And never speak against his word, the Bible. The word of God, the Bible, is the one thing that happens that we have to make sure that we understand and know. Otherwise, we'll be deceived. Let's go on to the next verse. 25 to 32, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years as the seven good heads of the seven years, and the dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly Cows which came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them, seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And The famine will deplete the land, so the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice, because the thing established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now listen carefully. God reveals the future to Pharaoh. We should read the Bible if we want to know what is happening and how to respond. Have you read the Bible? Oh, I know you watch the news, I I know. But have you read the Bible? Have you read Ezekiel 38? Have you read Revelation? Have you read Jeremiah? Have, Have you read the Bible? It's like reading the newspaper today because things are happening right now that are in the Bible. They're telling us exactly what God is doing. He's coming again.
2: Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And today, for a final time, I'm going to be sharing with you all a clip from my latest special called A World by Design, the Niagara Conference, which are interviews I conducted at a recent creation conference put on by Answers in Genesis. And in today's clip, pastor and evangelist Corey McKenna is going to share with us his thoughts on how to engage our culture for Jesus Christ. Here's Corey. Okay, so many believers... They do fear, feel fearful, and ill-equipped sometimes to
4: engage their culture for Christ. So, what can we do to change that? Yeah, that's another great. You've got some great questions here. Um, certainly, people need equipping. People need um, people need to be equipped to open their Bible and share Jesus. And, and uh, we always say to folks, the how of evangelism is quite simple. The why is a work of the Spirit. There's nothing I can do to give you the desire to go share Jesus. I can give you the best tools, but if you do not have the motivation to build your shed, there's nothing I can do for you. So we just pray. It's first and foremost, pray, 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 pray that God will give me the boldness to share Jesus and my uh, unsafe family and friends the desire to receive Christ. But I, I honestly, it's my conviction, which is why our ministry is so dialed in to the idea of example, You know, my my sort of life verse, maybe you have one. My life verse is 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Another translation says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. The principle is, and the, 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 um, the discipline of discipleship involves, I'm following Christ, we're all following Christ, but I'm inspiring and instructing other people to follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. The example is key. And on the heels of what I just said, I love to tell the story of the tiger. I think you and I've talked about this, but this has kind of been a a pivotal illustration for me and really in in front of ministry. Uh, When I was younger, uh, I researched, what would it take to buy a pet tiger? Can you imagine Halifax, Nova Scotia? My mom wasn't up for this, we thought it right. (laughs) And so um, what would it take to buy a tiger? And as it turns out, based on my sort of pre-internet research, uh, you can buy a tiger. And the way this works is when the cub is born, it's removed from its mother right away, and the cub is raised around your family, your household, and becomes totally domesticated. It totally loses sight of what it is and what it was created to be. And, um, and so, you know, it's generally a big dog, it's fairly safe, but the warning that was given in my research was, if that tiger so much as sees another tiger and locks eyes with another tiger, you're in major trouble. It instantly realizes what it is, what it was created to, to be, and it will turn on you uh, pretty much right away. So, you know, no trips to Toronto Zoo, no Discovery TV, no Discovery Channel, I guess you'd say. Um, that's, that's the story of the fact. So what happened in my life, when I saw the example of my friend Tony, my first uh, gospel outreach team leader was a man named Tony, and I call him Tony the Tiger. It's cute, eh? Tony mm-hmm. the Tiger. But when I saw Tony pray for people, share Jesus winsomely, and uh, reach out with the compassion of Christ, I realized I'm one of those. I never saw it before. So our ministry and our goal is to train up tigers to train up other tigers. If you are exposed to a tiger, whether that's in marriage, whether that's in ministry and parenting, certainly in evangelism, now all of a sudden you see an identity that you probably never saw before. I had just never seen it personally. That's been my testimony.
2: Well, I really, really hope that you enjoyed these interviews over the last two weeks. And if you wanna see them all in full and totally uncut, then they're all available here on the set, which once again is called A World by Design, the Niagara Conference. You can order it simply by calling or writing in And for those of you who are tech-savvy, it's also available on the website in both physical and digital forums. But I do want to mention that the physical set contains some bonus features, so if that's something that's important to you, then just keep that in mind. And I also wanted to thank Answers in Genesis for putting on this creation conference and for allowing me to privately interview each teacher and speaker. So please make sure to check out the Answers in Genesis ministry at answersingenesis.org and support them if you can. There you'll also find a lot of resources and aids to help you on your walk with Christ. Also, if you don't have the first set of interviews I did a few years back at a different creation conference, then they're also available on this set called A World by Design, the Muskoka Conference. And these are powerful witnessing tools. So if you have unsaved loved ones, then I really highly recommend these.
0: Excellent, Ryan. Look forward to that. On Monday, we're going to do something very interesting related to the five heroes of the book of Exodus. And guess what? They're not men, they're women. The five heroes gonna be very, very good. That's excellent. All right, Corey.
1: All right, well, in today's reading, we have some big moves by the Bible, both theologically and physically, big claims. So we've got this character of Joseph who is sold into slavery, goes into Egypt and rises through the ranks. And the Bible proceeds to tell us that not only does a descendant of Abraham radically change the way that Egypt functions as a society, but also successfully moves his family to Egypt that kind of serves as for lack of a better word an incubator for the nation of israel that will come out on the other side 400 years later 400 odd years later um you know a fully fully formed nation with lots and lots of people so this is a huge transition story uh, transition account in the old testament so let's take a look first of all at this very important figure of joseph Contained within the history of Genesis is the account of Joseph, a man who from human standards should have been relatively unremarkable. Genesis 29 and 30 tell the sordid tale of his father Jacob. Tricked into an unwanted marriage, Jacob's family spirals into chaos as he unwisely marries again, and his wives begin a baby war to secure their position as most important, even using their servants as surrogates to increase their numbers. The firstborn son of Jacob is Reuben by his first wife, Leah. Reuben then loses his legal right as firstborn during a power play and is replaced by Jacob's second wife, Rachel's firstborn son, Joseph, who is actually Jacob's 11th born son. Joseph is hated by his older brothers. Why should the youngest receive the inheritance? They kidnap and sell him to slave traders who take him to Egypt. And here begins the interesting history of Israel and Egypt that lasts hundreds of years. In Egypt, Joseph rises to importance and is given an Egyptian name translated in the Bible as Zaphonath-Penea. Trying to decipher this name's meaning has proven tricky, but an interesting theory is purported by scholar Kenneth Kitchen and has gained some traction. This theory equates our English transliteration of the Hebrew Zaphonath, which would originally have been an Egyptian word, into he who is called. From Egyptian slave lists, there is a known formula of renaming slaves. And it goes, Asiatic name, he who is called, Egyptian name. In order for Zaphanath to represent that formula, there would have had to have been a mistake in translation, a switching of two main consonants in the word. Culturally, this type of error is known to happen often, so cannot be discounted outright. If kitchen is correct, Joseph's Egyptian name was actually Panea, which means life or to live. This would render Zathanath Panea as Joseph, he who is called life or he who is called living. So there we go, Uh, you know, uh, uh, just a quick study here on this very pitiful Pivotal figure of Joseph. There is a ton more that we need to talk about when it relates to Israel in Egypt, uh, but that will come on next week's programs.
0: Very good. And uh, I, I look forward to that. Now, we're, we're getting through the Joseph story, which is fascinating. We're mm-hmm. getting ready over the weekend. We finish it out. And then on Monday, we're getting ready for the story of Exodus. And in Exodus chapter three, we, of course, have God there and he sees Moses and suddenly Moses sees a bush burning, but not being consumed. Mm -hmm. What is that about? Mm -hmm. So he explores that. But the first five heroes are women in the book of Exodus. And that's very interesting. We'll talk about it Monday. So, I look forward to that very much. What'd you do for the weekend?
1: All right. So, uh, you know, every Saturday last year, we released a chapter by chapter recap video. I released a chapter by chapter recap video on my YouTube channel. This year, we're still doing it. We've got the recap videos, but we also have some other exciting videos as well some more archaeological content and some experimentation going on on the channel. And I'm also pulling my husband in for several of the videos that are going to be released throughout the month uh, to help me talk about, you know, as we're going through the Bible, we're staying focused on the chapters that we're reading each week. So check it out if you're interested. My YouTube channel is just my name, Corey Bebeczko.
0: Corey Bebeczko on the YouTube. Make sure you find out. And uh, so that's going to be very interesting. Now, I'm ready for this question. Mm -hmm. So the the question I have is, I've got my Bible open, but I'm not having to answer it. They are.
3: That's right. You're off the hook.
0: So I'm out of here. So it's up to you guys. Make sure your Bibles are... He's got...
2: You've no, no, these are just my notes. Okay. I can
1: I can verify <laughs> yeah. that these are show notes. <laughs> okay. It is not because the Bible. Because
2: now you can do this stuff. <laughs> we <with laughs> got my Bible right here. <laughs> right there. Right there. Yeah. All right. Yeah.
3: It's okay. It's Remember listening. the days of Bible drills?
2: I do. Before mm. telephones,
0: yes, and before I do. you could,
3: you know, the the old-fashioned Bible yeah. drills were the best because you know, we we always used to take our physical Bible <laughs> with mm-hmm. us to Sunday school and to church and yeah, the and my favorite things were the Bible drills where you were given yeah. a and if you don't know what that means, you would be sitting with your Bible closed closed on your lap and you know, uh, a scripture verse would be given Genesis 25 verse 13, go. And yeah. then the, you would just go wildly What's through there? the Bible really to find it. And the yeah. first one that could stand up, got to read it. Yeah. And oh, that, they were the best. There, were, there was such a thrill to it. Like well, to right. try to be the first one, your heart yes. would get
1: pumping. It's true. It was the best. It was the best. I was never very good at the New Testament ones. I struggled with that as a kid. I think because they're so much smaller, the books, to find them. Psalms was always the best because you just
3: try to split in the middle. Yeah. All right. So (laughs) back on course here. Yes. Friday wrap-up question of the week. Anywhere from Genesis 23 through 43 is what we covered this week. And here it is. It's a lot of chapters. A lot of stuff in there. That's
2: incredible. Yes.
3: But I rounded it down to this. What was the name of the king to whom Abraham lied about his wife Sarah? We did a day's program on this. What was the name of the king to whom Abraham lied about his wife Sarah? Was that King Abijah? Was that King Abinoam? Or was that King Abimelech? What do you think? And you don't need to give them the answer. I didn't. I'm because talking to I the did. people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's okay. We already knew, we knew. going in. We this, knew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can see them, to them. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna go with number three, Abimelech.
3: Yes, King Abimelech. Well, if you chose King Abimelech, you are absolutely right. And you can check me on that and check them on that if you look up Genesis chapter 26. It's a whole big long story about that.
0: And also, you know, he said, why did you do this to me? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this is very King interesting. Ab- yeah. Ab- yeah. Ab- yeah, And he said, well, because I, d- I wasn't sure that God was feared here. Mm-hmm. But God was feared there. <laughs> it's very interesting because God speaks to many nations. Now that's interesting. All right. We'll Good see job. you. At- exactly. We'll see you next time. You know, as we pray today, it becomes interesting. We have to think about this and pray with me. Let's all pray together. Lord, forgive me for how I hesitate. You see, Lord, help me to read the Bible, but just not read it. Help me to listen to you every single day. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray all of this for myself and for others, Lord. Help us to hear you.
4: Amen.